Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Can we just give the Lord a hand clap of praise right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. If you've been redeemed by the Lord, can you give him a hand clap of praise right now for what he's brought you out of? For what he's brought you from? In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Well, this is just awesome, isn't it, huh? This is just awesome. God is so good. God is so good. I want to give honor, of course, to Pastor Wright, Sister Angie, for, for allowing me, giving me this opportunity to, to speak with you guys. I want to uh, give honor to Bishop and Mother Wright, of course. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit excited because I get a, a cool opportunity to say a special Happy Mother's Day in front of everybody to my mom. Happy Mother's Day, Mom. Love you. She's that one right there. Wave your hand, Mom. Since she looks so lovely today? She looks awesome. I want to... Happy Mother's Day. I love you. Happy Mother's Day, Granny Sharps. You have wave your hand too. Come on now. Happy Mother's Day. We love you very much. I love you guys very much. I love you all very much though. Um, I want to give honor also to, I'm so glad my fiance was able to make it Sunday morning. She normally is here Sunday nights, but she's able to make it this morning. Thank you for coming. Um, the Lord wants to do something. The Lord wants to do something very powerful in this place this morning. The Lord wants to break some chains this morning. The Lord wants to free some minds this morning. If you believe that, can you clap your hands right now? The Lord wants to set some captives free. The Lord wants to to loose the bound right now in this place. And I believe he will if you will open up your spirit and open up your heart to receive what is about to be delivered today. Praise God. Let's just go ahead and pray real fast. Lord, I thank you for this opportunity, God, but I I submit myself fully to you, God. I pray that your word would be said this morning, God. I pray that nothing more and nothing less but your word would be said in this place, God. We open our spirits, we open up our hearts and our minds to receive what you have for us in this place, God. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, we open ourselves up right now. I want you to lift your hands right now and just open your spirit up, open your mind up to what the word has for you. In the name of Jesus, I know I'm a familiar face. I know that most of you guys have known me since I was a little kid, but if you could look past that and listen to what the word has for you, God is going to do something amazing in this place. God is going to free your mind in this place. In the name of Jesus Christ, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, in Jesus name, in Jesus name. In Jesus' name, I'm going to go ahead and start off with with a little bit of reading. You guys can stand or be seated, however you want to do that. We're going to start off with the the book of Revelation, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. And I felt right there, everybody's spirits just tightened up. This young guy is coming in here preaching from the book of Revelation on a Sunday morning. God's got something for us. We're going to start with Revelation, chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand, who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works, and thy labor, and thy patience, and how that thou canst not bear them which are evil. 
And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not, and hath found them liars, and hast borne them, and hast patience, and for my name's sake hast labored, and hast not fainted. You see, God is starting this off by saying, I see the works you've done. I see the things that you've done. I've seen how you've kept the truth. I see how you've not let any false prophets, false apostles into the, into the pulpit to minister unto the crowds. But, but it, but it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop with just, I see your works. I see you've been, you kept going. You have been patient. You've been patient with me. I know that you've been working and working and working and you fainted not. You haven't given up on me. But he says, nevertheless, in verse four, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Remember therefore from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works or else I will come unto thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of his place except thou repent. You guys can go ahead and be seated in Jesus name. Verse four, we, we read through Revelation chapter two, all the good You've been working. You've been very faithful. You haven't fainted. You've been patient. You've tried those which are evil. You've tried those that say they are apostles and are not. You've done some great things. The church of Ephesus, he's giving the compliment. But in verse 4 is where I want to focus, where he says, Thou hast left thy first love. People may think, oh, he's saying, you have left me, you've left God, I'm your first love and you've left it. But what that verse is saying is he's saying, you have forgotten the love that I showed you and taught you how to use. And he says, you have forgotten the first love. You see, we think by just saying out of our mouth, I love, I love that person. I love my brother in Christ. I love my sister in Christ that, yeah, I have love. I got the love that God's talking to me about. I, I have that. But they did these things, but they, the God still said, you've forgotten. You've left your first love. That first love, he says that word is literally agape. You have forgotten the command that I gave you to love unconditionally. And if you can't love unconditionally, how can you receive my love unconditionally? So he says you need to repent. You need to remember where you have fallen from, and you need to get back to that place. What was this first love? The first love that they received, the first love that we all receive is the agape love from God. And if we are receiving that agape love, who are we to keep it from, keep from giving that agape love? You see, in the church of Ephesus, they were surrounded by a pagan culture. They were surrounded by people that believed all sorts of crazy things that wasn't the truth. So daily they were trying people. Daily they were, t they, oh, no, nah, that's not the truth, so we got to stay away from that. That's not the truth, we got to stay away from that. It sounds a little bit where we are right now in this culture, in this generation. There's nothing but, oh, this over here and this there and nothing, it's all not true. There's no truth coming out of the world right now. And so we're so used to shutting that down and cutting that off that we did what the church of Ephesus did. They forgot how to love. They got so used to saying, you're not true you're not that you're not that that they stuck an arm out and forgot the very thing they were called to do love they forgot the very thing they were called to do they weren't called to push away they weren't called to shun those that are not in the truth but they were called to love those that were in the truth those that were i'm in the world i'm sorry they were called to love 
the very people that they just got caught up pushing away because they forgot God grabbed them out of something very similar. If I am allowed to receive the love of God, who am I to say, uh, you look like that, you can't. Well, you talk about that, you can't receive that. I can't give you the agape love that God gave me. And so God said, you need to repent. Because God said, if you want to flirt with cutting off the love that I gave you to give, then I'm going to flirt with cutting off the grace and the mercy that I gave to you. You see, he said, you don't want to love? Okay, that's fine, but I will cut you off because I did not give you my love for you to be selfish with it. I didn't give you my love for you to just hold it in and judge the person that doesn't talk right, judge the person that doesn't look right. But I gave you my love so that you can love others the way that I first loved you. The Bible says in John 3.16, we all know this, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. For God so agape loved the world while we were yet sinners. You see, we weren't all together. We weren't all perfect. We didn't already have the nice suit and the tie and buttoned up just right and the best shoes. We were sinners. We were on our way to hell and God said, you That's who I'm going to die for. That's who I'm going to give myself for. But yet we have problems walking down the street and seeing something, someone that looks a little crazy, that looks a little off, and we want to go to the other side of the street when they're walking towards us. We want so badly for God to love us, but we need to love others too. Because if we can't love others, if we can't love others, he says, I will remove thy candlestick. Out of his place. You see, we think, oh yeah, I can receive my love and I'm good. But God says, if you just are focused on receiving and you can't give, I'm removing you. I'm removing thy candlestick. I'm removing your name out of the book because I have come to reach the sinners. The very people that we want to shun. The very people we want to look weird at. I've come for them. And those that think that they're above, those that think they're better than, those that think I'm all together. He hasn't, he said, I haven't come for them. I have not come for that because the lost, he said, the sick know that they need a surgeon. In the book of Mark chapter 2, starting with verse 14, if you could put that on the screen for me. Mark chapter 2 verse 14 said, and he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of custom and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Next verse. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans, the tax collectors and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. Who is at the table with Jesus? Sinners and publicans, those that the rest of the church looked down upon, those that the rest of the church hated, those that the rest of the church shunned. Jesus said, come sit with me. Come sit and talk with me. Come sit and learn from me. Come sit down and let me love on you. For there were many and they fought. There were many. You see, if we get so caught up in trying to just go for the people that look put together, the people that, you know, got it. Oh, that, that would be a good Christian right there. Let me go talk to them. We get so caught. There's not many of them, but there's many 
of the publicans and the sinners around us. There's many of the people that are broken. There's many people hurting. There's many people lost. There's many people lonely. Those are the people that Jesus said himself, I've come for them. Next verse. For there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and the Pharisees, in that day, the church, the theologians, the people that were all put together, the prophets, the rabbis, when they saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? They said, how what is wrong with him to be able to, to, to sit with them? With, is he not worried about his reputation? Come on now, if they see me out with them, they might think I'm something different. Oh, if they see me talking, you want me to do a Bible study in that house? Oh, I don't think I can. How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? Verse 17. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, he came to call the very things that the people at Ephesus got so caught up in shunning, got so caught up in rebuking, got so caught. I think sometimes we get so defensive and almost like we're insecure of our truth that we have to bash and slam somebody that doesn't know the truth yet. So we see them start talking we're like, no, you're wrong. You're wrong. Get out of my face. When God said, come sit at my table, come sit at my table and let's talk. Come sit on, at my table and let's learn. Come sit at my table and let's love. And when they received love, they followed. You see, the reason that they followed is because they saw something in Jesus that they had never seen or felt from the scribes. They never seen or felt from the Pharisees. You see, when they looked at Jesus, when he said, follow me, there was no disgust. There was no disdain. There was no judgment. There was no rebuke. There was love. There was the unconditional love that says, I know where you are, but I love you. I know where you are, but eat with me. I know the things that you've done, but sit at my table. I know the things you've said about me, but come over here and let's talk about it. Because when they began to see and feel the thing that nobody else had showed them, they followed. I believe right now we are in the end time and the Bible says I'll pour out my, he'll pour out his spirit upon the whole world, upon every nation. You want to know why right now I feel like that is going to happen? You want to know what right now why I feel like we're struggling to see it happen though? Because we have to first get to the place where I don't care what I see from my eyes. I don't care what I smell. I don't care what I hear from my ears because I'm looking at the soul that God said, that's the one I want. You see, they did a, they did a, a poll pretty recently and it said in that poll that roughly somewhere around 85% of the people in the world will it describe themselves as lonely, grieving, broken. 85% of the world is describing themselves 
as needing love. You see, 85% of the world has already acknowledged I'm lonely, I'm broken. So all we need to do is say, I got something to heal that brokenness. I got someone that will stick with you when you're lonely. You see, you want to start seeing miracles? You want to start seeing revival? You got to start learning to love. Start seeing in love. Start looking from love. Start hearing from love. Start speaking from love. You see, God asked me this a, a, a couple months ago, I think now. I was sitting at a table and he literally asked me, he said, God, or he said, Will, what, what is everybody, everybody on this earth looking for? And, you know, I, it, was, it was a random time. So, you know how when you know a man of God is asking a question, you can prepare yourself, give a good answer, the, the spiritual answer. I didn't have that. I was just right off the top of my head. I was like, money. Thanks, my bad. Sorry, God. He asked me again, what is everybody in the world looking for? I said, happiness? I don't know. I think happiness, right? He said, everybody on this world, whether they know it and are aware of it or not, are looking for love. And I said, man, that's good. I did just what you guys just did. Yeah. Yeah, God. Yeah, they're looking for love. Come on. And I said, yeah, uh uh-huh. Absolutely. And it went right above my head. So he asked me again, or he actually, he said it again. He said, everybody in the world is looking for love. And I said, just like that. Mmm, mmm, God, that's some good stuff. And he said, he said, who am I, William? Who am I? What am I? You're God your spirit. And he said, I am love. He said, whether you know it or not, every person in this world is looking for me, but they can't find me because I'm looking for my ambassadors that will represent my love correctly. You see, I'm looking for my ambassadors, my representation that will represent me to the world correctly. You see, right now we have too many people that want to sit with people like themselves. I want to sit with someone like me. I want to hang out with someone like me. I want to be friends with people like me. And God said, I didn't call you to do that. I called you to sit at the table with the worst of the worst. I called you to fellowship with the ugliest of the ugly. I called you to sit down and fellowship with the dirtiest of the dirty. But we are so caught up in this image This image that we have created. We've created this image of the 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 the, what we're supposed to be, what we're supposed to sound like, what we're supposed to talk like. And God just simply said to me a couple days ago, What image were you created in? I said, That's that one's easy, God. I got you there. (laughs) Yours. Yours. Yours is the image that we were created in. He said, What is my image? deity uh spirit you're invisible you don't have an image uh jesus i'm just i'm this rapid fire just trying to get the right answer out he said my image is love you were created in the image of love you don't even have the right to not love because you were created in the image of love and he said one other thing he said why did i create you I said, well, 
Well, God, you created me to worship you. Yes. Why else did I create you? He said, because I wanted to be loved. So if I'm created in his image and even God wanted to be loved, what do you think every person on this world that was created in his image wants to be? They want to be loved and they don't want the love that says, if you meet my criteria, then you're good. If you meet this condition and that condition and that condition, you're good. I love you. You can even sit in my row with your mask off. Whoa, yeah. If you meet my condition, yeah, you can hang out with me. But that's not what we're called to do. We're called to just say, whether you meet it, whether you don't meet it, it doesn't matter because I don't have conditions. You see, God didn't put conditions on me. So why am I putting conditions on someone else? You see, if you could put First Samuel chapter 30, verse 11 on the screen for me. If anybody was here last Sunday, Pastor Wright preached from this exact same um, passage. But this, this verse right here while Pastor was preaching stood out to me so much. And I said to myself when I was reading it, man, this would be such a cool thing to preach. And then I got a text from Pastor saying, do you want to preach? And I said, well, look at God. And so in this verse... They, we, are, we know the story. Pastor just preached about it, but David's two wives and a whole bunch of other stuff was stolen from them. And everybody's yelling at David, we're going to stone him, we're going to kill him because he let all this stuff happen. And David strengthened himself in the Lord and he said, God, should I go? And he went. God said, go. And while they're pursuing the thieves, while they're pursuing the not so good, David's men found an Egyptian in the field. Now, I don't know how good y'all's Bible history is. Mine's not the greatest, but I do know that the Israelites and the Egyptians were not the bestest of buds for a very long period of time, about 400-ish years. So I do know that much. Um, I, I do know that, you know, they're, you know, they went through a lot. All right, we'll just put it that, okay? They have a grudge. We'll put it that way, okay? And so... It would have been so easy for the, the, the men to say, is that an Egyptian? Oh, yeah, we got him down. He's already hurt. And just keep on kicking him and beating him while he's down. But look what they did. They found an Egyptian in the field, and they brought him to David. And they didn't spit on him. They didn't beat him. They didn't torture him for information. They didn't call him a whole bunch of demeaning things. They gave him bread and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And when you keep going through this story, this Egyptian leads them right to the people that stole all their stuff. You see, this Egyptian was a servant, was a slave to the the people that stole everything from David. And he was bound by them. He was bound to them. He was bound to them because he's a slave. He can't go anywhere. But you see, his master, when he got sick, left him there to die. David and his people, David and his men, showed this Egyptian something that he had never experienced. Egypt is on the downfall at this point. Everybody around them hates them. All the other, Egypt was like, like, a, like a, a communist country that then loses all their power. Everybody wants to take a smack at him. 
And yet, David, thank you, Brother Isaac. And yet, David and his men showed him love. You see, God said something to me. And I sent it to Mike McGurk, actually, on Sunday. And God said something to me. He said, the way to free a captive, the way to reach the bound person is to show them something and give them something their master never could and never did. That Egyptian's master never once showed love to that Egyptian. But when he saw it, it immediately made him want to be compliant. Make him, it made him want to be pleasant. And, and look here, this is where you got to go. This is where they are. Cool, we're good. Awesome. Because he had never experienced love in his life, and now all of a sudden he's experiencing love. Can I tell you today that God, uh, the God of love is in this place for you if you're bound. The God of love is in this place for you if you're broken. The God of love is in this place for you, and he can give you something that the world has never been able to give. But God needs some ambassadors, some Christ representers that are willing to look past the fault, willing to look past the mistake, willing to look past what they're bound by, willing to look past all the things and say, I love you no matter what. Not look at them and say, man, they're a little bit too bad off for me, I think. Man, they're, oh, they're pretty far gone, so I don't know what God can do. No, the God of love is in this place to reach where you are. And pick you up and say, I love you. He's willing to feed you. He's willing to give you drink. He's willing to give you love. He's willing to give you friendship in this place right now. If you believe that God is in this place, how about you clap your hands right now? My God. My God. My God. My God, our biggest goal is to differentiate ourselves from others. Man, we get so wound up when somebody just says they're a Christian, but they don't believe the same thing as us. And we, our goal is differentiate ourselves, differentiate ourselves. Instead of trying to shove some, some, some doctrine down their throat, how about you try giving them love and then feeding the doctrine? You give the love and they're ready. They're open. They say, yo, feed me, feed me, please. And then you just start giving them the truth. But no, we want just so badly. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And God said, stop trying so hard to prove them wrong and prove yourself right. Just prove me true. Stop debating. Stop arguing. Stop judging. Stop this. And just prove me true. And they will eat. You see, if you're lost in this place, I'm not looking at you in disgust. I'm looking at you saying, I want to be your friend. If you are broken in this place, I'm not looking at you as damaged goods. I'm looking at you as a friend that needs love. I'm not looking at anybody that's not like me and saying, they're not like me. No, I'm looking with love because the God of love gave that to me. When I was at my worst, when I didn't deserve it, when I didn't even have an ounce of a clue, when I couldn't care less about him, he said, I want you. I want you. I want you. Come here, Will. Follow me. 
And I said, but God, I don't deserve it. Do you know what I've done? Do you know what I've been? I don't deserve it. He said, but I said, God, I've done this. I've said this about you. You've taught me this. You've raised me like this. There's no way you want me. And he said, you're wrong because you're the exact person I've called. You're the exact person I came here for. And what began to happen, what began to happen was I had to first, before I could get to this, what I've just talked about, before I could get to this, I had to go through an obstacle. And that obstacle was before I could give unconditional love, I had to first learn to receive unconditional love. You see, God said, I want you. I've called you. I love you. And I said, yeah, God, I know you did, but... There were so many buts. It was but, but this God, but that God, but what about this? But what about that? And he said, if I didn't put conditions on you to, to, for me to give you my love, why are you putting conditions on yourself? You see, God showed me the two greatest things that keep us from being used the way that God wants us to be used. It's the condition we put on ourselves and the condition we put on God. You see, I put these conditions on myself. I have to reach these standards before God can use me. I have to reach these standards before I can receive God's love. I have to get good to get God. And God said, forget that. Just get me and I'll make you good. Get me and I'll show you love. Get me and you will have everything else you're reaching for. You see, I missed out. Freshman, freshman year of high school, sophomore year of high school, junior year of high school. I had all these conditions I put on myself when God was saying, feed my sheep. Reach the lost around you. Reach the people in your school. And I said, God, I know, but you could probably send somebody a little bit better than me. A little bit more equipped than me. And I'm, I'm saying this to God. I'm saying this. And I'm missing out freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And it wasn't until the summer between my junior and senior year that I finally just said, you know what? I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I acknowledge that I'm broken. I acknowledge that I'm empty. I need you, God. And as I acknowledged and took the conditions off of myself, God began to start operating. God began to start flowing. Because you see, if I would have started the P7 my freshman year, if I would have started ministering my sophomore year or my junior year, I didn't even know what love was. So how can I then give love? But in between, God began to do something. He began to reveal his love to me. He began to say, I love you. I care for you. You see this, but I see that. You see this, but I see that. And what began to happen? was God started bringing the broken to me he started bringing the worst of the worst to me and I didn't look at them like man you can't come into this club look at you look how you're dressed I know the things that you've done I was friends with you so you can't come either no I know the things that we all did together but I said come here God has something for you you see we all want Revival, we want all the the amazing stuff, but can you look at the dirtiest and the ugliest that's right in front of you and say, I love you, come with me. You see the drug dealers, the gang members, the homosexuals, the 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 bullies, the drug addicts, the, the worst of the worst in old mill, they said, Bring them to that club over there. Why? Because there was something in the club that they saw 
that they'd never seen before. There was something in that place that they felt for the very first time in their life, and it was the love of God. You see, you need to take conditions off of yourself, because if they're on yourself, they're on the people around you. If you are putting conditions on yourself to receive the love of God, how can you not put conditions on the person that's right across the table from you? You see, somebody needs to understand it's unconditional. It's unconditional. You meet no conditions to receive it. You meet no conditions to receive it. So just receive it and then give it. Just receive it and then dish it. I got it and I give it. I got it and I give it. Because I got it and I know how it made me feel. So imagine how it can make the broken feel. Imagine how it can make the next drug addict feel. Imagine how it can make the gang member feel. Imagine if we stopped looking at the action and looked more at the symptom. The symptom isn't they're just recluse, they're just delinquents. The symptom is they haven't felt love in their life. And you have, you have the very thing that everybody in the world is looking for. You have... Ooh, somebody doesn't believe it yet. Mm, somebody still doesn't believe it. You said, me, Will? I have that thing? Yes, you have that thing. The thing is the Spirit of God. God is love, and God dwells in you. So what dwells in you? Agape love. So what are you supposed to help dwell in someone else? Agape love. But if they look at me and all they get is judgment, all they get is judgment from the God that's in me, You see, you think your actions is just you. Your actions are a representation of God. So if you're judgmental, the broken's going to think God doesn't want me because he's judgmental. But if you love, if you show compassion, if you feed the broken, if you feed the hungry, you give water to the thirsty, I'll tell you right now, they'll come right back for some more water. They'll come right back for some more food. You give love to the one that's never received love, and they'll come back for some more love. You see, I 100% believe that this is the end time revival that God is prophesying about. But it's not going to come by you yelling at people saying they're wrong. It's going to come by you bringing, going to people with open arms and saying, I love you. The God in me loves you. What you see from me is him. So what I show you is him. We have got to take the conditions off of ourselves and fully receive the love of God so that we can then love the way we're supposed to. We have got to take the conditions off. We have got to take the conditions off. I don't care about the past. God doesn't care about the mistakes you've made. God doesn't care if you you smoked a joint right before you came in this place. The love of God is in this place for you. The forgiveness of God is in this place for you. Man, I wish I had a church that actually believed that. I wish we had a church that really believed the love of God that's in this place because I believe it. I believe it. I've received it. You can't tell me it's not true. You can't look at me and say, Will, I don't think it's it. Maybe for you, but not for me. Because I was you. I was where you were. And God said, come on. Come on. Follow me. Come with me. Come with me, the publicans, the sinners. I know the world has hurt you, but I will not. My God. 
My God, the, the, we always, we give so much credit to the devil. Oh, he's stolen this from me. He's stolen that from you. But how many times has the conditions you put on yourself cheated you out of the thing that God had for you? God said, I have this miracle waiting for you, not me. Mm-mm, I've done all this. You must have said it to the wrong person. You have this for me? No, nah, nah, like God got the wrong number or something. <laughs> Hello, is this for me? Mm-mm, wrong number, guys. Sorry. God is looking exactly where you are and saying, I love you. God is looking exactly at your situation and saying, I love you. You see, but this is the second condition that we, put, that we, that we use. We get past the condition we put on ourselves, and then we put a condition on God. Well, God, have you seen my situation? If you unconditionally loved me, why am I here? Why am I going through what I'm going through? And the spirit of Mara begins to creep into this place because the word Mara means that he dealt bitterly. You see, she changed her name to Mara and said, God has dealt bitterly with me because my sons have died, my husband has died, and there's nothing left for me. And we get there. God, this has happened to me, and this has happened to me, and this has happened, and God, you let this one happen to me too. What about that time when I prayed that you would make my friend that's sick healed? What happened when I prayed for my dad? What happened when I prayed for my grandmother? What happened when I did this and did that, and you didn't answer, so you don't love me? And I'm here to tell you, love is unconditional. That doesn't just mean that God doesn't put conditions on you. It means you don't get to put conditions on God. You don't get to say, well, God, you love me as long as you answer my every prayer. As long as I never struggle. As long as I always have money. As long as I always have friends. As long as my relationship is always good. And we begin to put condition after condition after condition. And when it doesn't get met, we disqualify the love of God. We say, God, you don't love me. Yeah, you don't actually love me. I knew it. I knew this was fake. I knew it. I knew it. This guy will up here. He's lying about it. Yeah, I knew it was fake because if it was, every prayer I prayed would be answered. But the problem with that mindset is we want to walk around, over, under, jump across the valley of the shadow of death. When in Psalms 23, God says, he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you would stop looking at the situation and look at the God that's been carrying you through the situation, you would, res- you would see how much love there really is for you. Because I know that there are situations there's no way I could have made it out of. And God said, yeah, that was me. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, your rod, your staff, they comfort me. They comfort me. You see, the love of God doesn't always mean bliss. The love of God doesn't always mean comfort. But the love of God always means that you will be kept. The love of God means that you will always be able to take one more step. Even when you say, I'm out of here, I can't do another step. How many times have we said, I can't do another step, and you're right here today? You did one step and another step and another step, and it led you right to this place. One step and then another step. And God, I can't do it, but you're doing it. God, I can't do it while well, you're walking. Well, I can't. 
It's like when you're, you're teaching a, a kid how to, how to ride a bike. My cousin Daniel, I have a very fond memory of this. I might have made it up, but I have a good memory of this. I'm only one year older than him, so I probably made it up. But he's learning how to ride a bike. He's on his training wheels. They take the training wheels off, and then he just starts pedaling. And he's literally yelling, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall, I'm going to fall. And I'm literally sitting there like you're riding the bike right there. You are going right now. And you're yelling, you can't do it. That's what's happening right now is we're yelling, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it, we can't do it. How do you think you're doing it? Because of the love of God. You see, I put these conditions on God and say, you let this happen to me, you let that happen to me. And he's saying, well, what about the things I didn't let happen to you? What about the times you wanted to give up and I didn't let you quit? What happened to the times where you said, I can't go another step? And he said, take one more because you're not taking it alone you see somebody in this place is looking for that very thing somebody in this place right now is looking for the strength to carry on and can i tell you the strength to carry on is the love of god it's the spirit of god that worketh in me it's the spirit of god that worketh in me Man, y'all still don't believe it. Can you, is that John Hoffman? Can you put 2 Corinthians chapter 4 up there, uh, starting with verse 7? Because you guys still think I'm making this up. It's crazy, but it's okay. But we have this treasure, an earthen vessel, that the excellency of the power, of the power, may be of who? And not of who? Next verse. We are troubled on every side. Not we might be, not we may be, we are. Trouble is going to come, all right? I hate to break it to you, I'm sorry. We're troubled on every side, yet we're not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. You understand the situations are going to come. The problems are going to happen. But the thing about the power that I have in me is it says that I'm going to go through something, but guess what? The something isn't going to go through me. I'm going to stand my ground. I might be persecuted, but I'm not destroyed. I might be distressed, but I might go through everything that the world can throw at me. But guess what? It's not going to go through me because there's a power that's not of me but of God that power is the love of God it is the spirit of God the spirit of God can and will give you the very thing that the world has never been able to give you guess what drugs are gonna fade guess what alcohol is gonna fade guess what parties are gonna cease all these things are gonna happen why do you think the world is where it's at right now because we went into a a uh we we went into quarantine the party stopped the bars closed all of my all of my fixes were taken away where god could unveil where i truly am right now I'm truly where I truly am. He said, because you can put your faith in something temporal all you want. But can I tell you that the thing that I'm talking about is eternal? Can I tell you that even if I have to stay in my room for the rest of my life, the love of God doesn't go anywhere? Can I tell you that even if I can't go out and see another friend, the love of God doesn't go anywhere? Can I tell you 
that even if you can never take another drink of alcohol, the love of God can numb that pain, but not just numb it, but remove it. Can I tell you that alcohol numbs, but temporarily. The love of God numbs, but permanently. The love of God heals. The love of God covers. The love of God protects. The love of God pushes you forward. My God, come on, somebody. Somebody lift your hands right now. My God. You wonder why I'm still going? You wonder why I'm still moving? It's the love of God that's operating inside of me. It's the love of God that keeps me going. It's the power of the love of God. And if we could finally take the conditions off and receive it, what we're going through right now is a walk in the park. What we're going through right now is a walk in the park because there's a bigger purpose. You see, when I can receive the love of God, I can get my mind then on giving out the love of God. And when I give out the love of God, my problems don't seem as big as they used to. Because I'm looking at everybody else. I'm saying, man, you just need love. You just need love. You just need love. That's all you need. I'm going through a lot, but you, you need love. I'm going through a lot, but I have love in me working. You don't even have the love in you working yet. So let me help you. Let me share this with you. You see, your answer is love. It's simple as that. Your answer is love. Your answer is him. Because when I say love, I'm really saying God. Because God is love. So when you're looking and saying, why do I still feel this way? You need God. When you're looking and saying, well, I'm still hurting. You need God. Because the love of God, the love of God will comfort you. The love of God will keep you. My God, I wish somebody believed it. My God. My God. My God. My God. You see, there's a, there's a key difference between what I have right now and what other people may have. You see, the love of God is not around me. If I relied on the love of God being around me, the minute that a situation goes south, the love of God goes south. The minute a situation's good, the love of God's good. The minute a situation's bad, the love of God is bad. But you see, the love of God is in me because when I lifted up my hands, opened my spirit up, and allowed God to fill me, the love of God filled me. The power of God filled me. The power of God, not of the world, but of God, filled me. And I am now where I am because of that power that I allowed God to fill me with. You see, you feel empty. You feel broken. You feel like no matter how much you achieve in this world, there's still more. I'm not done yet. I'm not there yet. I'm not full yet. I still feel this. I still feel that. It's because you're reaching for the wrong things. 
But can I tell you that there's a God in this place right now that if you reach to the sky and lift your hands and open your spirit, the love that you've been looking for is right there. Can I tell you that there's a God right now that if you've been struggling with the conditions you placed on yourself, he will wipe them away. He will remind you, I chose you while you were still lost. I chose you while you were still a sinner. You see, Peter, Peter was unable to agape love while he was in the presence of God. He was unable to agape love. Can you go to um, John chapter 21, uh, starting with verse, uh, let's start with verse 14. I actually go back like two verses, I think. Okay, that's cool. We'll start here. Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples did ask him, who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. Sorry, hang on. None of the disciples durst ask him. I heard you, Brother Isaac. Next verse. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. Next verse. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples. After that, he was risen from the dead. Go ahead, keep going. So when they had dined, I want you guys to focus right here. When they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He saith unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, feed my lambs. Listen, go back real quick. I'm sorry. Right here. Jesus is saying, Simon, son of Jonas, do you agape love me? And Simon responds and says, yes, God, I phileo love you. Now, if you know this, the difference is agape is the unconditional love that the spirit of God gives us. Phileo love is this brotherly love that I can, I can do that. I can create that. Okay. Next verse. He asks, he saith to him again, the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, agape thou me. He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I phileo thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Next verse. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, phileo thou me. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I phileo thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Peter Standing in the presence of God was unable to agape love. He was, un- he was incapable of it because it's not the power that I have. It's the power that he has that he gives to me. Can you go to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8? This is now Peter after Acts chapter 2 and all that stuff. This is now Peter. And above all things... Have fervent, the word says charity, but that word is agape among yourselves. For agape shall cover the multitude of sins. While Peter was in the presence of God, he could not agape love. But when the presence of God was in Peter, he was now not only able to agape love himself, but tell others. You need to agape love. You see, when I receive the Spirit of God inside of me, 
I am now not only able to love you as a brother or a sister, but I'm able to agape love you even if I don't see a brother or a sister. I'm allowed to look at the person on the side of the street and say, I agape love you. I know that you are probably a drug addict, probably all sorts of things, but guess what? I don't care because God didn't care when it was me. You see, when I have agape love in me, I can give agape love out. When I have agape love in me, I'm able to agape love me. People in this place right now aren't even able to love themselves when they look in the mirror because they don't are not operating in the agape love. But I'm telling you right now, there is an opportunity in this place for you to not only love, not only love as a brother, but agape love. To where I look at a complete stranger and I see love. I look at the sinner that I am and I see love. I look at my situation and I see love. I look at the condition of my life and I see love. You see, that very thing is in this place right now. If you want to play, Mike, if you want to come and play. The very thing is in this place right now for you. And this isn't, I don't want anybody to tune this out and say, well, I got the Holy Ghost, so I'm good. He's not talking to me. I'm talking to every single person in this place because guess who else had the Holy Ghost? The church of Ephesus. Guess what else the church of Ephesus had to do? They had to get a reminder and they had to put it in themselves. I got to get back to my first love. I got to figure out where I fell from and figure out how to get back to it. I'm telling you right now in this place, we need to get back to the first love. Please stand. Please stand in this place. It's going to take some honesty, though. It's going to take some truth, though, to say, you know what, God? I have fallen pretty far. You know what, God? I do need to turn back to my first love. And you see, if you're in this place right now and you haven't received the gift of the Holy Ghost, you've not been baptized in Jesus' name yet, we got a baptismal tank in the back and we got a God that is in this place right now that's willing to give you this love that I've been talking about. He's willing to break your chains. He's ready to free your mind. Come on now, lift up your hands. You're looking at me waiting for the next thing and God, there's a spirit of repentance that's already in this place right now. There's a spirit of repentance that's already in this place. Come on. Come on. If you, if you are in here and you need that love, you can come down to the front. You can stay in your seat. I don't care what you do, but God is in this place. You cannot leave the same way that you came in this place. You cannot leave the same way you came in this place. Be sensitive in this place. Be sensitive to the flow of the Spirit. Be sensitive to the ministry opportunities that is in this place right now. In the name of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus Christ. Robo shikanda reba toshandama. Ile yondo robo koshataye. Come on. Come on. The Spirit of God is in this place. Ministry is in this place. Ministry is in this place right now. Come on. Come on. God's not looking at you for your past. God's not looking at you because of what happened this morning. God's looking at you with love. 
Come on, be sensitive. The Spirit of God is in this place. If you could be honest in this place and say, I need that love. I don't have the spirit that you're talking about, Will. I don't have the gift of the Holy Ghost that you're talking about. But I want it. It is in this place for you right now. Come on. No spectators. No spectating. Come on. Robo Shantaye. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, it's the best thing you'll ever do. I have people in the altar right now that need somebody to love with them. I got people in the altar that need somebody to love with them. Come on. My God. Hallelujah. Come on. Come on. The love of God is in this place. The love of God is in this place. 